Welcome to the Highland Quiet Life podcast. We're a nature and forest therapy based company in the Cairngorms National Park in Scotland. And I'm Kath, and you can listen to myself and fellow Canadian guide, Moose, or Michelle, talk all things forest therapy and probably a few random distractions in between. So we wanted to do a series of mini podcasts just to talk about some of the phrases and the words that we might use when we talk about forest therapy and just to spend a little bit of time dedicated to certain areas. And the most sensible one for us to start with is actually the science behind forest therapy. Now, it began back in Japan in the 1980s uh, when the Japanese were transitioning to a more of a tech based economy. There was people spending a lot more time inside and the government also noticed that there was a huge spike in cancer and autoimmune diseases. So they began to research several projects and um, to just try and figure out how or in what ways they could combat um, the epidemics that they were seeing. And one of these projects asked the key question. That was really simple, but purely what happens when human beings are exposed to forest environments? Now, one of the one, th- one of the things that the research has discovered is that trees keep themselves healthy by showering themselves in chemicals and phytoncides. And when a tree is attacked by a fungus or other organism, the tree diffuses these phytoncides into the air and they seek out and they kill and attack the fungus. Now, humans can have like a really special uh, reaction to phytoncides when we inhale them. And our bodies produce a special white blood cell, which is called a natural killer or an NK cell, you might hear us refer to. And these cells roam around our body looking for bad things, basically, and they destroy it. So uh, so the Japanese, they kind of thought this was all very incredible um, and that simply going out into the forest can be considered a preventative treatment for serious diseases. Um, and this is why they called it forest bathing. Ocean and Yoko, because when you are in the forest, you are literally bathing in phytoncides. Now, inspired by the Japanese practice of Shinrin Yoku, the founders of the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy uh, designed a, a therapy session of, of sort of two to three hours of an experience where people could begin to not only achieve these health benefits associated with forest bathing, but they could also work on their relationships with themselves and the more than human world, which is something else that we talk about. So what they discovered, um, and, and recently looking at the studies that have followed since the 1980s and in, in an article in a peer-reviewed journal, um, the International Journal of Health, Wellness, and Society, looks at about 31 different studies, uh, 31 papers between 1998 and 2017 to kind of pull together what they found. So this idea of forest bathing or shirin-yoku, this idea of just going into the forest and being part of it, being mindful, being quiet, spending time, um, has yielded a few different things. So from sort of the cardiovascular point of view around blood pressure and hypertension, um, one of the studies found an improvement in the uh, autonomic nervous system regulation of the cardiac, cardiac, cardiac function and an improvement in overall blood pressure. So that's interesting. So that's one of, one of the pieces around immune systems. Um, looking at what happens, we, we talk, we've talked about natural killer cells or T cells. Mm. Yep. So most of the studies reported significant improvement in all measures, resulting in an overall improvement of inflammatory state shown to be beneficial for people specifically affected by um, COPD and, and others. So that's interesting too, in terms of looking at um, the immune group piece around um, dopamine uh, going up, cortisol levels going down, as well as immune biomarkers, again, with the NK and T cell activity, um, increased NK and T cell activity. They reported, uh, uh, one of the uh, um, studies found a reported 
potential benefit of forest bathing for pain management in patients with chronic neck pain. In another, or in all the studies that they looked at, the benefits of forest bathing on psycho-emotional states, the results reported significant improvement in positive affect emotional state, including improved vigor and restorativeness, decreased depression, anxiety, and hostility. And some of the studies showed a correlation between the improvement of psycho-emotional state and improved regulation of the autonomic nervous system, suggesting a a uh, physio, sorry, a psychophysiological benefit derived from the forest environment alone. And some of that can be also related to airborne um, phytoncides, but not all of it is, right? So some of it is the, the practice of forest bathing. So from all of the studies, the evidence is, is overwhelming that the current um, health benefits that are derived from forest bathing can be viewed positively. So these are all things that are interesting in terms of like, some of the studies get into the kind of forest that you're in and some suggestions that like, for instance, oak or other kinds of forests might have more positive benefits. Um, obviously the phyton sides would be, um, from my understanding of it, when uh, trees are in photosynthesis, when they're not dormant. So mm -hmm. um, there's that, but then there's other, the other pieces of, that aren't necessarily related to phyton sides can also be some of those around cortisol levels and, and the other benefits. So it's interesting especially when we're thinking about in the time of a pandemic, looking at doing some of the virtual forest therapy, that there is evidence that that will also be beneficial. So this is, this is um, now kind of thinking about a hybrid between forest bathing, like going in and just being mindful in the forest and the kind of work that we're doing as guides and the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy does, that's, that's ex the exercise of um, invitations and being mindful. The whole, um, like you say, uh, there's the bathing in the forest and bathing in phyton sites, taking these in, that increases RNK cells and um, and the benefits that you've just said, you know, that we can get from that. But also the forest therapy is just the healing that can be found within nature, um, which whether if you want to look closely to it and some people maybe want a reason as to why you get that healing or or it's for me a lot of it is it just heals and I know it heals because I've experienced it myself but there's also um studies that simple things you know a, a lot of people are in tune with colors and um the the effects that different colors or what different colors can be used for um and if we just take the colors of blue and green that we see in nature um, then blue is is well known for having a calming effect. It's something that um, affects us mentally, increases our serenity. Um, and then green, and it's also the color of water. It's the color of the sky. Um, yeah. And then when we look at the color green, green's always thought of as a restful color. Um, and what I didn't realize is part of the reason it's restful is because when the eyes see green as a color, um, they are required not to do anything. So the eyes rest. Which huh. there's a restfulness that because of just seeing it because you don't have to do anything to process it um, so it, it's all about the color balance that we get with green um, and also the color green when we see it we can go back to oh ancestors upon ancestors upon ancestors that if we see green and we see this lush greenness we know um whether we realize it or not that that is associated with the fact that there's water nearby and there's something feeding that lushness so there's a calming effect as well where we associate the lushness and the greenness of something with the fact that there's water nearby and we need water to survive so there's all of these different elements of the different colors which it, it was actually more fascinating the more i looked at it mm -hmm, that's and amazing green is also my favorite color so grassy green as well 
So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting that for me, in terms of being in the, the forest here, where there's a lot of further, there are a lot of conifers that um, I was just saying yesterday, you know, as the season goes on and the different colors of green that will come out just in one of the great big tall red cedars, mm. like if you can get some place that you're sort of up in a valley and you're looking at the, at the forest canopy and it's mostly conifers, it changes through the season to be this massive variance of green. Like it's incredible how the, once you start paying attention, um, those, that variety of color is, it's incredible to, to absorb, to see yeah. and to absorb it. Like I can't not comment on it when I see it. It's, yeah. it's uh, spectacular. That's really interesting. Either I haven't been doing my practicum properly and reading the right things, or <laughs> you've been digging way deeper than, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I have, but um, I didn't actually know that. I love the fractal pattern piece. There's a there's a monkey tree that's out here that um, I think it's probably in a lot of places, but there are a lot of there they aren't in Ontario. Monkey puzzle tree in the UK. Monkey puzzle tree, right, right, right. Monkey tree. Yeah. So I don't know why we got the proper name is monkey puzzle tree. You do you pinch someone when you see them? No. Yeah, so there's a thing here. If you see a monkey tree, it's it, do you do you do punch buggy too, where you see a Volkswagen and bug, and then you give someone a punch? No. <laughs> okay, so it's a kid thing, but adults do it too. So when you see a monkey tree, you can pinch, and there's like no pinchbacks. Um, I think it's a monkey thing. I'm doing a monkey little pinching thing like a monkey. But I hadn't noticed on the monkey tree. I hadn't gotten up close to one enough to see that the pattern kind of goes diagonally and winds its way. It's spectacular. And it is one of those moments where your eye beholds it and goes, what? Like there's just something in your brain that's like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It would be cool to see if that's the dopamine thing. Like what is the, what is the, what is the dopamine release? When does that happen? And I'm, I'm, I'm hearing from what you're saying, we're hardwired as human from a millennia. Like why does it, why is it healing to be on the land? Because that's where we're supposed to be. Yeah, we're part that, of it, and that's one of the reasons as well that we're given that we can take in phyton size because we are people of the land originally, um, yeah. and we're able to to take that in from the trees and then we convert that into NK cells. But you were saying there about the fractal patterns because there were studies I hadn't realised um, how high of an effect fractal patterns can have that um, some studies, um, and I'm not as good as you being able to cite who, um, but some bloke studied, or woman, I don't know, somebody studied fractal patterns um, that was a bit worth something. And they were found to reduce stress levels by up to 60% just by looking at fractal patterns yeah, because yeah. of that relaxating, uh, relaxing, relaxing effect that it has on your eye and then you take that in and just internalize it and they they really can be found on every single level in the ecosystem and you were saying that because we live in quite similar landscapes in terms of the kind of trees we have don't we um and and that kind of almost jurassic-y type feel to it sometimes and if you think of the the branches of a fern or the pine cones or seeds and flowers and it's fractals are just awesome it's conifers too. We we went by a, a sequoia. There's a there's a giant sequoia. Um, and I've just recently learned how to tell what a sequoia from the the actual. I don't even like this is the work I need to do as like a budding naturalist. But the the fronds, the pine, the needles. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know. I don't know what sequoia. I don't know what they're called. Whatever. They're soft. They're kind of fuzzy. And now I'm like, oh, that's what a sequoia looks like. 
thanks to one being labeled sequoia in the garden in the you know the great big garden over here but they're so conical they they're they're they grow and as we were sort of walking away from it i was there with a couple of friends because oh we're finally starting to loosen up a bit um on vancouver island and i get to be near friends which is amazing but it was so perfectly what rubbing it in there i'm sorry yeah i can't help it we uh we're doing well to flatten the curve but being careful about coming back together um but it's so beautifully conical as it's this massive tree it totally looks like you know it's it's it is there's a thing about it that you just kind of breathe a sigh of like relief and relaxation as you stand there and take it in and go that's spectacular in a way that you know my eye and my brain are, are doing without me even thinking about it which is part of why like that forest bathing piece just being there noticing seeing those things is having that impact on you that the fractals and all the green everything the blue what we're talking about the colors um but if you layer on top of that the um, kinds of invitations that the anft are uh, having us practice as guides um, and you are thinking about how you want to offer that engagement in partnership with the land that you're on based on the weather or what's happening or the group and in the, in the environment or whatever. Um, it just, for me, allows for that layered or deepening in terms of getting to um, that connection to nature and that connection, that embodied connection to myself, but also to, to where we are. Thanks for listening to the Highland Quiet Life podcast. Don't forget to click follow to receive updates of future episodes and do drop me an email at highlandquietlife at outlook.com to get in touch.